Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before I get into any details, I would like to welcome back one of my best friends, Nzinga Murray. Hey, it's I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it's really, I'm so glad for you to have me back. Um, I hope you guys haven't gotten sick of me because I'm very, very excited about this one today. So uh, stick around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, for this one, it is going to continue on with our badass female characters series uh, with the 2000 action comedy film Charlie's Angels. Uh, the movie was directed by Meg G and written by Ryan Rowe. Ed Solomon and John August. The logline is a trio of elite women from a private detective agency work together to track down and kidnap billionaire to be and keep his top secret voice identification software out of lethal hands. As they find their victim and new information, the women under uncover new discoveries and secrets of their clients and their own boss. I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, and The Hollywood Reporter. So for the cast, you want to... <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just sitting over here smiling while she reads that because like, <laughs> I'm uh, very excited to talk about this one. Um, and... Uh, it's unfortunate how many dudes were uh, connected with this movie. It was a different time. What is it? 20, 2000? Yeah, 2000. Like right before. like 22 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, my goodness. What does that make? I'm not doing the math on how old I am, but that made me a very young person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, I was like pretty young when it came out. So we were both on the same page. Like we're. <laughs> we're yeah. This, and, so, uh, and so yeah and so and as we sort of go through this i would say uh listeners to sort of take things with a grain of salt i would um these these are <laughs> this was a different time <laughs> yeah it, yeah let's just like put a notice out saying like hey please don't cancel us this again this was a different time this was when you know women's portray portrayal was a lot different to now and yeah there was, yeah, there was you could do more as with regards to like sex appeal um and you know women were seen as as objects um more than they are now hopefully yeah, yeah basically like let's just say like their target audience for this were teenage boys that's that can just sum up everything yes and, and i would i i, I don't well, yes, but I, I also disagree with that. So we'll get into that. Okay. But, but I would also say that um, uh, as you you guys are listening to this, um, I am a millennial, so I will be speaking from a, a millennial point of view. This movie is big nostalgia for me, um, and so I will speak as such. <laughs> so just yeah, whatever. yeah, and I am also a millennial, but I'll just let Indigo <laughs> be a representative. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, I was like it from 93. So I'm still like a millennial. I think like it was 95 when they did the cutoff point. 
Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so we're both millennials. So you're not you're not gonna be hearing from like some like new age folks who are like, this is jeopardizing women and all this stuff. Like, we're, you're coming. We're coming from a place of folks who like grew up watching this, and this is all we had, and this is the closest thing we had to girl power. So, yeah. um, so that's what you're gonna be getting from me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So uh, for the cast, we have Cameron Diaz as Natalie Cook. You may know her from Bad Teacher, The Holiday, the Shrek film series, and the Jim Carrey, The Mask. Yes, uh, and, and, and um, this is, I would say, one of my favorite roles that she's done. Um, I don't think Cameron Diaz acts anymore, does she? No, she retired after Annie, so that was like 2014. Oh, wow, really? yeah that's what she retired on <laughs> yeah of all places you could have just like end on a high note no <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> yeah she she argued that she just was getting very tired from traveling um especially for annie because i guess she had to like travel to and from la to new york so i guess it got to her and then she's like yeah i'm just going yeah, i thought you were gonna say like from la to like bangkok and then i'd be like yeah for sure but like to new york really... <laughs> all right sure hey like the annie was said new york and i know she lives in la <laughs> i'm sure she's made that trip since then <laughs> i know okay, but like i guess is. like she did want to like just stay there for like the time be you know for the three months that she'll be you know yeah that's fine it's fine <laughs> respect you know we have to we have to appreciate and have empathy for these million dollar actors and actresses <laughs> that's fair that's fair i'm sorry i i love cameron diaz i love the holiday i love uh charlie's angels so i will not rag on her uh it's, it's from a place of love everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Drew Barrymore as Dylan Sanders. You may know her from 51st States, Whippets, Ever After, The Wedding Singer, and of course, Scream. And also the Drew Barrymore show. <laughs> yes, the Drew, Drew Barrymore show. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget that one. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Lucy Liu as Alex Monday. You may know her from Kill Bill Volume 1, Lucky Number 11, Kung Fu Panda film series, Alec McBeal, which was a TV show, and Elementary, which was a TV show. Yeah, and, and honestly, and I'll say this um, just as like a Black woman, a woman of color, um, Lucy Liu being in this movie is was a game changer for me. Um, she was like my first um take on like a woman of color in like a major role and so she's largely the reason why i even tuned in uh to watch charlie's angels so was very excited to have her on there and and the sequel and so yes i'm so happy that lucy lou made it into a mainstream show <laughs> yeah like because like at that time uh especially with like asian um characters like you only saw them in you know chinese or asian based films yeah but she was like one of the first like actresses that were able to be in an american movie you know what i mean so i i thought that was really cool and i really liked it exactly and she and she also too like um because i feel like she was one of and I, I don't know this for sure but like i know that she was one of the first to sort of 
where they ad adapted something to have like a woman of color take yeah. over from like the traditionally all white um depiction of something and so like to have lucy lou on there as one of the Ch charlie's angels versus like having another sort of white actress on there that was that was really huge and i think that that's why a lot of folks especially folks like us tuned in at the time so um it was yeah. all it was very cool to have her there oh yeah of course uh next up we have bill murray as bosley you may know him from caddyshack stripes ghostbuster and it's the original film series and a bunch of west anderson films so whatever west anderson you could think of he's probably in it <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah i didn't want to list them because i'm like yeah i mean we get the we get the gist <laughs> yeah yeah we get the gist he's a comedy legend Yes. Yeah, he's like from like Ivan Reitman and Harold Rames and uh, Dan Aykroyd era. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have Sam Rockwell as Eric Knox. You may know him from Galaxy Quest, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, shoot, I haven't seen that, but that's cool that he's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the last one, he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, good for him. Yeah. I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah, that was a big that was a big movie, though. Um, So I can see why uh, if you're if you were just there, <laughs> you probably won an Oscar <laughs> because that movie blew up. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like for me, I always felt like he was like a good actor, but like it felt like he was kind of um, like some actors were they're really good, but wouldn't ever be nominated for like an award or something, especially for that prestigious of award. So when he won, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You know? Yeah. It, his uh his performance in Charles Angels is not Oscar worthy, so I'm glad that he uh, leveled up. <laughs> well, that. like yeah, like it, I think it was when he was starting acting, <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. I mean, he had some really good moves. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, yeah. He he's a dancing machine in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next we have Kelly Lynch as Vivian Wood. You may know her from Cocktail, Roadhouse, Drugstore Cowboy, and Curly Sue great <laughs> standard woman to me i don't okay great yeah <laughs> uh next we have tim curry as roger corwin you may know him from it's the tv film the rocky horror picture show both the stage and the film legend and clue uh, uh hello <laughs> You didn't mention the greatest film he's ever been in, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Duh. Oh my God, I totally forgot he was there. <laughs> he's the best. What the heck? Yeah. We need to start over. Thank you for coming. We'll start over and we'll try again. <laughs> oh man, he's only in like half the movie, so it's fine. <laughs> And then there were also appearances from Crispin Glover as the Thin Man, Luke Wilson as Pete, Matt LeBlanc as Jason, Tom Green as Chad, 
LL Cool J as Dylan's first disguise, and Melissa McCarthy as Doris, and John Forsyth as Charlie. So that's basically just his voice. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, that's the whole thing. You never see Charlie, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like the, the guy that they use for like his like back um, yeah. was like a, a different actor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wonder how much John Forsyth got paid to just be the voice of Charlie. <laughs> so. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think it's a lot. I think like it probably was like maybe... I wouldn't say a million dollars, but because like it's a voice. I don't you know. Better, you better haven't got like Lucy Lou better have been paid more than he did. <laughs> I hope so. Cause like, you know, when I reveal what she got, it's it's a little shocking. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> so the backstory of the film is that the film was based on the 1976 to 1981 crime drama of the same name it was created by ivan goff and ben roberts and produced by aaron spelling drew barrymore bought the screen rights to charlie's angels prior to filming the movie uh, Jacqueline Smith, Kate Johnson, and Farrah Fawcett were invited to make cameo appearances. Now, those are the, th the original uh, three women from the first season of the show. Uh, yeah. However, Farrah Fawcett is like the famous one that everyone, well, I guess Jacqueline Smith too, but like everyone talks about Farrah Fawcett because she's got yeah. that hair, that fluffy hair. So, um, yeah. Kind of and then she didn't want to be involved <laughs> yeah well like i mean she did want to be involved um however she stated that she only wanted to do it if she was allowed to be the voice of charlie and jackson insisted on playing vivian wood however the role of charlie ended up going to john forsyth who was the original voice of charlie and then mm. Yeah, because of that, Farrah Fawcett didn't want to do it um, anyway. And I think also as a result, Jackson didn't want to participate. But Smith uh, appeared in the sequel, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. She's bad. She's bad. Spoiler yeah. alert, she's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cheryl Ladd and Tanya Roberts, who were also... Uh, part of the series uh cheryl ladd took over fair Fawcett's role and i think tanya roberts took over i believe kate jackson or jacqueline smith's role um so they wanted to be part of the adaptation through cameo appearances however the producers preferred to only have the first season actors uh which is kind of like a bum <laughs> thing yeah i mean on the one hand i can see like if it doesn't make sense for production then sure because i'm sure there's like a ton of angels yeah <laughs> but so but at at the same time like you still want to sort of pay tribute like when you think of like ghostbusters when they did the female version they try to incorporate as many of the original male ghostbusters in the movie and so sort of the same thing they could have tried to figure out a way to make it work but i'm blaming it on men it's men's yeah. fault yeah <laughs> The male race. <laughs> yeah, I think like Drew Barrymore was the sole female producer of this film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's pretty famous that she, she had the rights for Charlie's Angels a lot because she tried to make a TV show, I think, um, back in the day. Um, yeah. 
that did not work. But um, so she she's been trying to you know keep Charlie's Angels afloat for a while until um, she gave it to Elizabeth Banks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the script was rewritten at least 30 times until one was deemed acceptable by the producers and Mick G. Uh, reportedly, a total of 18 different writers worked on the movie, and that includes Suzanne Grant, who wrote Aaron Brockovich, Akiva Goldsmith, who wrote A Beautiful Mind, Steve Pink, who wrote High Fidelity, and D.V. DeVincentis, who wrote American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Well, it was worth it because I feel like it 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 turned out for the better. So, um, oh, yeah, more eyes on it, like good. <laughs> yeah, I think like they wanted to make sure that this was like the best it could be. Yeah, you know? probably appropriate too. Especially yeah, if it's written like in the 90s. Yeah, you know uh angelina jolie was originally offered the role of alex uh however she turned it down after admitting that she was not a fan of the original series and the role was offered to jada pinkensmith who declined um to film bamboozled instead that was uh, a good call. That yeah was a good call. <laughs> yeah it was a good call um sandiway sandiway fan fan Anyway, sorry, Sandy Way yep. uh, Newton. <laughs> Sandy Way Newton was finally cast, but had to leave due to freak weather, which occurred, which caused Mission Impossible Two to overrun its shooting schedule. However, another source states that she didn't want to be objectified or play racial stereotypes. Uh, she did an interview in 2020 um, where she stated that she didn't want to be introduced with a close-up of her butt in tight denim. And she also quit uh, the project after meeting uh, Sony picture executive Amy Pascal. And because Amy stated that no one would buy a Black woman as being a college-educated person and try to turn her character into a stereotypical black woman and just so you know amy pascal was one of the sony executives fired after the 2016 sony hack so oh, was that yeah. <laughs> yeah she was she was that one <laughs> what a horrible person <laughs> yeah good god well i i would say though um just knowing um, what Tendiway Newton went on to do, it probably was for the best. That doesn't really seem like her type of thing anyway. No. Yeah. Um, if you know, she, uh, she was, she's in Westworld. Yeah. Um, and so like, I feel like she's more, she's more of like an elevated, like actress with regards to like the content. She's very selective about it. So that was probably a good call um, in this case, but also just disappointed in this horrible uh thought from amy pascal i was waiting for the objectification of a race or a person and we got into it really early so yeah that's wow oh yeah <laughs> that's terrible oh my like goodness. and it was like weird because it it just seemed like that amy just like spewed it out like on the first meeting with newton so it was like what the fuck like yeah, people could just just think they can get away with saying whatever they want. Well, guess what, Amy Pascal? I'm a black woman and I'm double college educated, so kiss my ass. Yes. 
Good God. <laughs> and it, it's a, it's surprising because like she still works for Sony, but she does like the Sony animation. It's weird. Mm. I'm like interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Aaliyah was uh, the first choice for Alex, but was deemed too young. And there. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. go back. Because you said that. So it was Angelina Jolie, right? Uh-huh. Jada Pinkett, <laughs> right? Tandy Way Newton. And then they went to Aaliyah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> list. <laughs> and then, I mean, like, from there they had like a an assortment of people that they were interested um for the role or like they were considering for the role of alex good god yeah (laughs) so that (laughs) so that includes uh asia argento ashley judd victoria beckham Haley berry helen bonham Bonham Carter, carter I'm reading this. Okay, go go ahead. So here, okay, so we start uh Asia Argento, Ashley Judd, Victoria Beckham, Halle Berry, Helena Bottom Carter, Kristen Davis, Jodie Foster, Jerry Horner, Jennifer, Jason Lee, Neil Long, Gwyneth Paltrow, Tiffany, who is this? Theason? Uma yeah. Thurman, Kate Winslet, Reese Witherspoon, Robin White, Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta Jones. Sama Hayek, Liv Tyler, and Lauren Hill. What the hell? <laughs> they were just like, any girl will do. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> wow. Wow. And wow, then. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> oh, shit. I missed Penelope Cruz. <laughs> yeah. She auditioned for the role. She wasn't considered, but she auditioned for the role. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knew that they were so focused on trying to like figure out who's gonna play Alex Monday? I was like, Jesus fuck. <laughs> wow. This is wow. They were just like, let's let somebody make a list of actresses with boobs and vaginas and let's see who wants to be in Charlie Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh Jenny McCarthy auditioned for the role of Natalie and also Mila Jokovic, sorry, Jovovich, Alyssa Milano, and Julia Roberts were amongst the many actresses who were the front forerunners for the parts of Natalie, Dylan, and Alex. However, I don't know who was going to be considered for the role of Alex, so that's why I didn't put it along with the list. Yeah. Because I feel like at that point, like, all these dudes were like, it doesn't matter. Like, if she's hot, like, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer Aniston was considered for the role of Natalie. And that that was kind of it. That's all I got from that part. Uh, (laughs) In the original script, Vivian Wood was Chinese and her name was Vivian Wu. But... Uh, once Lucy Liu was cast, they changed the character to Caucasian. That's probably a good call, honestly, because like you don't want to have like um, an Asian villain. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause they're just too stereotypical. They do that all the time. They still do that where they're like, if they've got a foreign accent or they're, they've got some kind of melanin in them, like they should be the villain. And so it's good that it turned out that yeah. way. 
<laughs> that's not that's not something that would uh be memorable <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i think it was a good call um yeah <laughs> agreed <laughs> now here comes the best like part so cameron diaz was paid 12 million dollars drew barrymore was paid nine million dollars but Lucy Liu was only paid $1 million for this role. That's um, irritating. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, and I'm not saying that I justify any of this, but you think of like 2000, like Cameron Diaz was probably one of the biggest actresses back then. Yeah, because I think The Mask came out in like 96. So yeah. it was like fairly like, it was kind of like her height of her career at this point right. so she was huge and and probably a big draw in general um which is probably why she was placed as like the center of mm -hmm. um when all the when you see all the pictures of them like she's in the center and then drew barrymore probably got a producing like back end because she owned the rights so even if she got paid nine million she probably got way more than that based off the success of the film which it was huge back then yeah um and then Lucy Liu, that's just how they treat every person of color anyway. Like, just so we're clear, like, that's how they treat us. Yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. But, uh, I mean, it sort of projected, the being in the movie, I'm not saying, she. they should really go back today and, like, pay her for this. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, hey, Lucy, I know it's been 22 years, but we really owe you more money <laughs> for Charlie's Angels. But she's gone on to do some big things from being in that movie. She's directed... She starred in a lot of stuff. So like, um, I mean, I'm not happy about this number and I'm very upset just hearing about it, but um, it probably went on to allow her to get paid 12 million in a lot of other things. So yeah, um, unfortunate, but that's America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, like, and I think also like Lucy Liu probably was like, was just starting uh, yeah. to gain big roles so i think it kind of makes sense but it still sucks that you know she only gets paid one million in my yeah, opinion for sure for sure uh the women were trained with their martial art master uh eight hours a day five days a week for three months uh chung yang yoon uh the movie's martial arts choreo choreographer and trainer appeared as a fellow passenger on the plane in the first scene of the film and he's the oh. guy that's speaking uh, to two women and teaching them cantonese oh cool yeah he's that. like yeah he's like in the middle aisle like the middle like seat <laughs> yeah, like lo cool j like asked him to move so he can get to his seat yeah yeah okay that's yeah. him oh very cool he's not he's not fighting in that scene he's just sitting there yeah i think they just needed like probably just like an extra person they're like oh do you want to like we're on the suit let's do this yeah <laughs> okay cool uh the thin man was originally going to have a speaking role but crispin glover didn't like the lines and he asked the lines to be removed um, and director McTree and producer Drew Barrymore agreed to make the character mute, uh, yeah, thinking that it would give the character a more mysterious feel, which I, I'm really glad that they did that. Yeah, it's uh, he freaked me out a lot. 
and uh <laughs> he's like pale as a ghost and he's like screaming and his hair is flying in the wind and he's yeah and then up. he has like a haircut that's like parted right down in the middle and it's like very 1920s like what is he it called like a little lad who loves berries and cream yeah if you know that commercial <laughs> <laughs> uh glover came up with many of the character's eccentric traits including ripping off women's hair sniffing it and screaming for no yeah. apparent reason <laughs> and like today and this is this is what i say like we're millennials but like um i feel like someone like gen z or whatever who would be watching this would be like this dude should be committed because like you can't you can't get away with stuff like that in movies anymore where no. you're screaming in women's faces sniffing their hair and ripping it out like it's it's weird like that dude sounds like a pervert yeah <laughs> so i mean interesting choice sir <laughs> well like he it's really funny because he is known for doing like very eclectic and weird roles you know so for me it's not like a shock that he did that you know because he's he's known for doing that but it i don't know i think like if you see this for the first time and not see his other roles or his other performances that you may think that he's crazy (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure. Yeah, but they, but that's what they were. I think that's what they were going for. That's why they called him Creepy Thin Man. Yeah, like he didn't have a name. He was just Creepy Thin Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an extremely profane argument between Bill Murray and Lucy Liu that caused the filming to be shut down for a day. Now, back then, Murray stated to the ladies, "I get why you're here, Drew." And you've got talent, Cameron, but what in the hell are you doing here, Lucy? You can't act. And the remark is said to have prompted Lou to launch a physical attack on Murray, which then caused like the uh, shoot to like cancel for the day. However, recently Murray cited script problems in an interview as a reason for the feud claiming that Lucy's character would never say lines since they are crazy and not aligned to the personality of her character. That sounds like Uh, crap to me. Yeah. Uh, So he he randomly takes up for a woman he doesn't even know. He's like, that's that's not true to the character because I care so much about someone else's character. You're full of shit. (laughs) Also, he doesn't do like a lot of drama films. Like it wasn't until like, at what like 2008 onward that he started doing like more serious roles but it's like even that like it's like yeah but even if it was right like that's not even his character yeah so i feel like for him to be like oh i was standing up for her you know what i mean like the the authenticity of her her lines i i think that's crap i feel like i don't believe that at all yeah i agree i feel like that maybe as a result of like people looking back and be like oh wow like they had like a feud and they were siding with uh lucy Liu that murray wanted to like explain his side of the story yeah i mean he's a he's a jerk for saying i don't know which which one is right i i'd like to think my guess i'd like to think that lucy Liu would not just physically attack some jerk 
um, because <laughs> because we yeah about her acting ability. Yeah, like, I feel like that she probably would give him like a stink eye, but I don't think she would physically attack him. And like, what what is a physical attack? Did she slap him? Yeah, I know people used to do that a lot back then. Um, but you know, I I just I find it hard to believe. Also, too, like she's the most underpaid person on like in front of the screen. I don't think she'd risk her career physically attacking Bill Murray because he was a dick to her. <laughs> yeah, and also like he's like already like a well-known comedic actor, so it's like you yeah. know that if she makes like a big thing or something that he would tell people and almost blacklist her. Right, exactly. So I I I'm I don't believe that she physically attacked him. And obviously we don't know we weren't there. We were yeah. very young children. Um but it's uh that that feels like a stretch to me yeah it's kind of like a more of like he said she said but it's more of like him's he said he said he said type of thing he has he has all these dudes to back him up because it's probably a sausage fest on that set oh yeah so um so he had a lot of backup anyway Mm -hmm. yeah director Mitchie publicly claim that Bill Murray physically attacked him on the set, but Murray denies it. And again, it's that's all I know about this. Like it's again, he said he said type of thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2003, a sequel called Charlie's Angels Full Throttle was released. But everyone but Bill Murray reprised their main roles, and Murray was replaced by the great Bernie Mac. Rest in peace. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was, um, uh, and that sort of makes me think that he probably was difficult in the first movie that he wasn't replaced in the second because yeah. they had this whole elaborate, and we're not talking about full throttle in this one, but like he, there's this whole elaborate thing in full throttle where Bernie Mac's his like brother. They grew up in the same house or something. Yeah. yeah so, so. And then like he has like like um Bill Murray's Bosley had a son that Bernie Max Bosley adopts. It's right. yeah. Yeah. So and and they're but they're both called Bosley because didn't they have the same mother or something or the same or they were like foster kids, something like that. Yeah, I think they were foster kids. I think yeah. that's yeah yeah no oh, that makes me want to watch the second one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay you were saying <laughs> uh in 2004 there were talks of a third and fourth film but the ideas were canceled and on september 15th 2015 the hollywood reporter uh, reported that Sony will be rebooting the film series with Elizabeth Banks producing and later directing the film. Uh, it was revealed that the reboot would be more of a continuation from the original film series. Uh, the film was released in 2019, but the film was a flop, grossing only $73.3 million on a $48 to $50 million budget with 50 million on advertisement budget yeah and i remember when that came out like that they advertised the crap out of that they yes were like, stewart's gonna save this movie and he <laughs> did. i actually liked that movie but that's another story um but uh yeah no it was it wasn't as good as the original <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> 
but that advertising budget is ridiculous oh yeah because like i remember like it was like on youtube ads it was like on like those like buses. metro but yeah buses billboards like everywhere yeah so um that's unfortunate um but those girls went on to do like really cool stuff so yeah and also like one of them was um kristen stewart so you know she's fine right. yeah <laughs> yeah the film uh starts with the camera going through the the clouds that surround the lady from columbia pictures like sign so once they like show uh the sony pictures logo and then it cuts to Columbia Pictures logo, it it kind of like zooms in through the clouds behind her. And then we cut to um a plane flying by. And then once inside, um the no, camera... I just want to do it real quick to the to the editing and graphics team. Just some of the things they managed to pull off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in the time that it like uh that it was out in 2000 um very very impressive like obviously like if you watch it today it's gonna look like an old-timey film <laughs> yeah i mean like especially in the beginning um when like later like i think like maybe five minutes later you could tell that yes this is a green screen <laughs> but it's but it's cool that it's cool that they were able to like sort of utilize the columbia sign you know yeah like the first shot that's really innovative really cool and you don't really see stuff like that anymore you gotta you yeah. gotta be more creative about stuff well i know that they were doing that for a while um the columbia pictures logo yeah. and i think like another one i think it was like um maybe, yeah like 20th century or like paramount that like it would then merge into the film yeah. um but then they stopped doing that and now yeah. all they do is just do the sony and then they just go through the stupid like lines and that's it right or it's just like a single title card and then it's like it moves on so it's um yeah it, it was fun to sort of because i because i i didn't remember that part and so when we were sort of panning past her face into the clouds, I was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> so, so that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, so we're at the camera and then we're kind of walking through the airplane inside. So from business class to a couple other classes, like first class, second class. And while we're like, walking through we interact with the flight attendants like they're gossiping and then like passengers walking by and then we get to the bathroom where a man in kente attire played by ll cool j comes out of uh, the bathroom as a flight attendant looks at him and like kind of like a weird look she's just like wait a minute like you just came out and right. we don't know like if you haven't watched it you're just like oh okay like you don't see it but then when you watch it again you're like oh wow so she did know that it was drew barrymore coming in and then it comes out <laughs> as that <Ella> cool j 
But I would say though, um, there, I have no idea why um, he's in Kante Claus. <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> either. No there was why he should be in Kante. Like it doesn't make any sense. He doesn't even have an accent. Like no, he's the big man in, in like a big American black man in Kante Claus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it would okay. been, yeah, it would have been fine if you just had like a suit and tie. But no, right. you gotta do Kante. <laughs> you look at him with just as much racism. <laughs> Need that. <laughs> <But> okay. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so he uh, walks back to business class, and just before he gets to the business class, um, this male flight attendant uh, stops him and is like, "Oh yeah, only business class are allowed beyond this point." And then he's like, "I'm a business class." So then it's kind of this whole like, "Oh, like I'm sorry, you know, like I like jump to conclusions." No, he, like, racially, he racially profiles L O Cool J and Kente, and yeah. he's like, "You're not supposed to be in first class because <laughs> because clearly look at you." And L O Cool J is like, "Look, bitch." <laughs> That's not literally what he says. But he like holds up his ticket and then the dude's sort of got egg on his face and he has to like make up for it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, can I get you any uh, something to drink? And then he's like, you know, brandy straight up. Uh, and then once uh, the man gives his order, he returns to the empty chair that's next to this creepy guy with long hair. And then they kind of like sit for a few seconds before the creepy man states, I hear birds can't fly this high, to which LL Cool J replies, I hear angels can. And then all of a sudden they huddle together (laughs) and LL pulls out this bag and has this bundle of like diamonds in his hand. And and the guy is like about to get it, but he's like, no, you can't have it. And he asks if he has a bomb, to which the guy just, without hesitation, just opens up his jacket and he says, I am the bomb, revealing it to be like 60 seconds left on the bomb. Yeah. And like, I don't know where, because obviously this is like an opening scene to establish everything, but just like this guy, just super cavalier about the fact that he's strapped to a bomb that's about to go off in a minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. so it's like, you couldn't come like at five minutes or it's like, it also too, it makes me think, right? Why are they doing a diamond exchange if he has a bomb? <laughs> it's no. like, Great, I have diamonds, but I'm about to die. It's like, it makes no sense. I mean, I get that it's supposed to establish who the angels are, yeah. but it makes no sense why he would just be like oh diamonds yay <laughs> very interesting but you know they went through what 18 exchanges uh, uh of the scripts so. yeah <laughs> like okay <laughs> uh so after the flight attendant uh gives ll cool j his drink uh he spots uh the tv showing a movie based on a tv adaptation so it's called T.J. Hooker, the movie. And he then states that, um, oh, they're making another TV ad- ad- adaptation movie. Um, this is stupid. And the creepy man asks, what will he do? To which LL states that he will just walk out. And then with no, like, no, like, warning, he just grabs the man <laughs> opens the plane door again this plane is flying 
like however fast a plane flies yeah, up it's like, a commercial airline that's 30 what is it 35,000 when you yeah like 20 to 30,000 yeah so like they're they're in a commercial airline and he just opens the door and like uh, so and this is the thing is about 2000 they can get away with stuff. yeah the, uh, like just so you know this is prior to 9 11 so yes. this wouldn't happen if this exactly. was 2002 <laughs> right and so like you can't you can't really make jokes like that anymore and it's not a joke but like those action sequences are they try to be more realistic about it except for like mission impossible or something but like obviously we all know that you can't open a the door of an airplane when it's in flight or everybody's dead yeah uh, but in 2000 before you know everything <laughs> so they um they were still pulling that one off so he basically opens the plane and they both come tumbling out <laughs> yeah and then they don't hit the engine or anything like that they just miraculously just fly past it and they're like flying they're tumbling down the air <laughs> um and as they're falling um a person jumps out of this helicopter that somehow is at the same level as the airplane in some way <laughs> and uh the person catches up with the duo yeah. And uh they remove like the bond, it explodes, which caused all of them to like just somehow survive and yeah, not they were way too close to it, way too close to the bomb. Yeah. But they managed to be safe and LL Cool J opens his parachute while the woman catches up with the creepy man and grabs hold of him before releasing her parachutes. All three of them land on the bow which is controlled by Natalie and the unknown person removes his remove her helmet revealing in slow motion Lucy Lou surprise after we tried to hire like 30 actresses before this is the first we went with Lucy Lou <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh when LL Cool J lands on the boats the creepy man accuses him of being a crazy bastard and then LL removes this like voice control device and says i think you mean crazy bitch yeah and, and the then... voice control device looks like a it almost looks like a cocktail yeah <laughs> from his mouth. it's like are we gonna explain what that was nope <laughs> just, nope with the voice modulator it looks like a cocktail <laughs> like a shot it looks like a shot yeah and then like in like maybe like a creepy like horror film like scene or moment uh he removes his face revealing it to be dylan which again is like also a little like borderline racist because it goes from like a black man to a white woman <laughs> it's odd it's it's very odd um i feel i feel like i want to know about the mask that they made for her to peel off her face like was LL Cool J there did they make it look like him like th those are my questions in this moment but also just so we're clear Dylan because Dylan is I think traditionally a dude's name uh that is um Drew Barrymore yeah so, um, so yeah. yeah Dylan I think like since like the 90s Dylan has been like one of the many names that are now just unisex yeah yeah 
that's yeah. just fair and, that, and that's sort of the like the thing with when you said about Farrah Fawcett wanting to be Charlie's voice that's one of those unisex names too as well as Alex yeah so yeah <laughs> uh so the creepy man just like screams her his mind which I could totally understand I mean this guy just rips his face and turns into a white woman like <laughs> right I mean among other things like he he's in a random boat in the middle of the sea with a bunch of strangers who are clearly uh heavily armed and uh good at fighting <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they just like uh the three women just nonchalantly is like oh oh this is like totally fine and then Nally just drives the boat away uh with his and, back seat yeah him just yeah. again screaming still screaming yeah. out of his mind <laughs> you know also too just, let's just take a moment to say like he's screaming right but he had a bomb strapped to it. <laughs> so I feel like he'd have more bravery than he does. <laughs> Especially with only 60 seconds at the start of the film. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'd be more concerned like where'd the diamonds go since I'm going to live now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so just, uh, okay. <laughs> These writers, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's very campy. <laughs> oh yeah, very campy. Uh, so then a voiceover, uh, basically Charlie, uh, states that once upon a time, there were three very different little girls, which again, is a little weird saying that. Uh, and then it does like a montage with the three women. So Natalie is seeing- Can you there though, real quick? Because um, when they show them, they're yeah. not girls. They don't hire girls that look like- uh, No. <laughs> they just have these three actresses with like- you know what I mean? Like dressed like children. <laughs> yeah. So for Natalie, they had Cameron Diaz wear like braces and then like that kind of like weird metal like mouse guard that is outside yeah. and like pigtails, I think, or just like a shorter like hair. I, yeah. It was something like that. Uh, so she's like driving a car on two tires with a driving instructor and then is also seen on Jeopardy winning $24,000. Uh, then he has Alex who looks the same as <laughs> she is now. Yeah, um, Lucy Liu just on a, on like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, be, she's competing in a equestrian competition and then just wins the program because she jumped over a freaking fence. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm pretty sure that's how it is in a, in equestrian. Yeah, but it just seemed like they didn't show more of it. It was like, yeah. okay, one, one fish. She did it. She did it, people. It's Ladies a montage. And it's a montage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's she a problem with the montage, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they also show her getting ready for a NASA launch um, as one of the astronauts. Um, and it kind of seems... Say again? She's in a full NASA spacesuit. Yeah. Walking down a runway. Yeah. So. And then uh, you have Dylan lighting up a cigarette uh, with the cast arm in a probably a high school... Uh, bathroom and for her they kind of just made her have like dyed hair and then just like tattoos to make her look very edgy teenager but that was it right yeah she's supposed to be and that's and that's sort of the way and and this is sort of an understanding of who they are 
like clearly Natalie is sort of the, you know, maybe the popular one. It's like a big smiles, like, um, you know, successful, I guess. Um, and then you've got Alex, who's more on the smart side. Like she's, she's the intelligent one as far as like, um, maybe high society, high class. And then you've got Dylan, who's sort of, like you said, edgier, um, bit of a tomboy, you know, breaking the rules, you know, but sort of got a, like a hot sort of thing going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then there's also her p punching a drill sergeant at a police academy and then just her just walking off. Um, and then the voice over the course of the montage states that all three women work for him and his name is Charlie. And <laughs> then there is a montage of the women going on different assignments before jumping in the air in like this very bright blue sky with clouds around them. And then it's like this very 2000 special effects where they free freeze frame them. And then it, has like the outlines of them and then it kind of does like a like a weird special effects to then reveal the title of the film charlie's angels yeah so they had yeah. to keep some of the cheese from the from the series so i mean I, i'm okay with it <laughs> oh yeah it then cuts to dylan waking up on a boat with chad her lover and she receives a call from her Nokia phone by an unknown person. And then she tells probably him, like a really nice brand back then. Yeah. <laughs> Nokia. Yeah. This is like prior towards like Motorola. And like exactly. Like having a flip phone was cool. Um, or or you had like that classic, like a it's like a size of a small brick, you know. Um, but just having a cell phone in general was like a game changer. It means you had money yeah mm -hmm. yeah and um yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> you said uh dylan wakes up on a boat with chad <laughs> yeah uh and then once she gets the call uh she tells him that she has to go and after chad asks if it's his chad i'm assuming his penis she said it might be the chad causing him to freak oh, out oh you said what <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he's like oh is it because of the eggs um is yeah, it because like, of the boat and then she, yeah. he's like, because of the chat i didn't oh well maybe i'm just like a prude but like i didn't get i thought he meant like is it me in general like am i too weird for you and she and she was basically saying like yeah you're kind of weird for me <laughs> but i don't know I, because like i think so like when she wakes up He's like, oh, um, starfish, I, I made you breakfast. Um, maybe like once we have breakfast, we could meet Chad. So I think that's what I thought that he was talking about <laughs> his penis. <laughs> I guess it's fair. That's fair. It's over to interpretation, apparently. Yeah. Or maybe it's his alter ego that's also named Chad. Who knows? Like, I don't. I didn't hear Chad talk to about himself in the, what is it, third person? you know yeah i think mean, it was very popular in the 90s so maybe he was just like trying to stay with the trend <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah so he's like is it the chad and then she's like it might be the chad before like driving away and then it causes him to freak out and just jump into the ocean <laughs> yes it was it was a little weird but yeah i mean that's sort of the point though is like drew barrymore 
her character um, Dylan is supposed to be a little bit on the like, you know, dating guys around, um, you know, not, I wouldn't call her loose, like girl power, you do what you want, but like, um, she's supposed to be sort of on the like, having a good time, you know, wherever she can find it type of a thing. So um, the chat is just, um, just one of the weird guys of the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then af after Natalie dreams about dancing at a nightclub, uh, she answers the door in like a very weird, like she's in like these like boys, tidy whities from like the nineties. Like children's briefs. Yeah. Uh, and there's got like uh, Spider-Man on them. Yeah. And then the UPS man is there to give her a package. And then she just says like, oh, you could, I just like already signed the form. So you could just stick things in my slot anytime you want without a signature. And then he's just like, oh, okay. Thinking that she's talking about sex. And then she, she's like, okay, bye. And then just closes the door. And, and it's kind of like that where you can tell like they were trying to appeal to men too. Yeah. Um, in that sense, um, with the sexual innuendos. Um, but they're as innocent as you you think. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, like it's she's not trying to be sexual, she's just no. innocent. Yeah, she, yeah, she's just very like innocent. She doesn't think that what she says is like a sex innuendo. Um right. But she she receives a call again from her Nokia and says that she'll be right over. And then Alex is in a trailer in front of a Utah inspired backdrop at a studio lot uh, running lines with her boyfriend, Jason, who is played by Matt LeBlanc. They were going over like the scene where his character is trying to dismantle a bomb. And then when he questions why would the characters why won't the characters just yank the wires from the bomb alex explains that that could never happen in real life and then she goes into details of like oh well like you know each um wire connects to a certain device of the bomb so if you just pull all of them you'll just just you know blow it up basically yeah, and who knows if that's actually true but okay <laughs> yeah uh and then she's like oh like it's he's just uh, finds it interesting that she knows a lot about bombs for a bikini waxer and then she argues that she learned it from the internet and again this is prior to people learning stuff on the internet internet yeah and also you can't like everyone knows in america you can't google like making bombs without like the government at your door yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All jokes that would not track today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll probably on, be on the NSA for like quite some time. <laughs> for sure. They're definitely tracking your phone if you start talking about bombs. They're probably tracking ours because we said bomb like four or five times already. Yeah. So, hi, yeah. government. <laughs> <laughs> um, she then also receives a call and leaves. And at uh, the headquarters called the uh, agency, uh, the three women gather to talk uh, to Bosley, Charlie's assistant, who helps the women in some of the assignments. Uh, Alex brings um, her muffins, which she made from scratch, but Natalie and Dylan are afraid to eat them. And gross. <laughs> yeah. And like, I guess like the muffins are so hard that you 
they're like solid rock that yeah, you just but, throw. But they, in the last scene, like um, Matt LeBlanc's character is eating a muffin and he spits it out because it's so gross. So yeah. it's also, also just gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and then once like bosley is there uh they receive a call from charlie who reveals um their next assignment and he details them um that eric knox a software genius who created a voice recognition system uh has been kidnapped along with his system and during the kidnapping eric's business partner vivian wood was left behind Though Natalie jokes that Vivian uh, was the one who did it, it is revealed that Vivian is their new client. Um, they ask Vivian if Eric had any enemies, to which Charlie notes that Roger Corwin, who is a another businessman, um, may be the culprit. And he owns a communication satellite company called Red Star. Yeah, and Corwin's played by um, Tim Curry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so knowing that Corwin, Corwin is their only lead, the women go to Madame Wong's House of Blossom, where Corwin gets his weekly massages from. <laughs> and then uh, it cuts to him in uh, the massage on the massage table, and Alex poses as uh, a masseuse and once she like massages him for a little bit um she renders him unconscious after doing something to like his neck or something yeah and and so let me just stop you right there because i feel like this is probably the first scene for me um that's the most cringy um, yeah because it's sort of um and they do it a couple of times but like they have like they go undercover in like asian establishments <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> and, you know i'm sure lucy lou was like oh, i'm getting paid i'm getting paid i'm getting paid <laughs> you know? it's a million dollars <laughs> basically i had to wear like a sarong or something and like climb on this you know big white man's back and massage him which i'm sure which is, is many a man's fantasy but it was cringy for you know us women to see her objectified like that, not only racially, but sexually. Yeah. <laughs> she does a very elaborate massage of his back with her feet and his face um, with her feet. And so for me, I was mostly like, ugh, I mean, this, oh God, this is, this is rough. <laughs> and then not only that, once uh, he is unconscious, she uh, takes this locker room key and then she whistles to the other two women to come out and again they are also in asian stereotype yeah. attire with uh kind of like a uh so bob like, cut yeah bo bob like cut bob yeah and geisha uh kimonos uh again right. <laughs> very weird yeah, definitely some cultural appropriation done uh often in this movie <laughs> yeah um, so then they go to the locker room uh, so they could gather his schedule and make a copy of his car key. And while uh, getting food, uh, Natalie spots a face of one of the kidnappers in the surveillance footage uh, to which they deem as a thin man or like at other times creepy thin man. Right. Uh, and they say it because like just based off like his picture but he's not significantly thin. 
if anything, he's just really pale. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing to suggest that they call him that. That's just what they decide to call him. Yeah. But that becomes his name. Like, I don't think the dude has a real name um, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think, like, if they wanted to be more accurate, it could have been Dracula or Count, you know? Yeah. yeah. He looks like, he looks like a, to me, he looked like a surfer kid who was probably, like, kidnapped when he was young. And then he was sitting, he was, like, he was locked in, like, a basement. And he didn't get sun for like 20 years and he came out and he was like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I just have the surfer hair. And I'm super pale. So he decides to be a henchman, but he's super creepy because he's been locked in a cellar for 20 years. Yeah. So he goes around being weird and creepy and yelling and stuff like that. So that's, yeah. that's what he looks like to me. So paint a picture based off that description. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, uh, they, <laughs> <Why is that? laughs> Jeanette is looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> She's like, you need, you need to reset, Jeanette. No, because it, it was funny because like I was like, he just looks like someone who just hasn't been in the sun. So I call him, you know, vampire or vampire man for the 1920s. Um, but then when he detailed, like he got kidnapped and he was just, I just... He looks like a kidnapped victim who hasn't seen natural sunlight, but may have previously been a surfer. <laughs> it's because of the hair. He's got that Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World hair. Yeah, he weird. does. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not weird. <laughs> well, I mean, but then again, it would either have to be that or like that stupid Julius Caesar haircut that was going about or right. also like the gelled hair with the french like the french tips you know yeah that's true i mean i'm okay with what they went with it's just that he his hair flows in the wind a lot and so it just makes me think of surfer kidnapped victim john hunter from boy Me see, see like hearing you say that it made it seem like he has a beyonce fan just like everywhere he goes he has a beyonce <laughs> fan it's just the way it flows. It's just the way it flows. <laughs> While Natalie does that, Alex finds out that Corin is going to a party that night. So then they decide to go there and crash um, the party. And Alex, Dylan, and Bosley pose as partygoers while Natalie poses as one of the waiters. Yeah. Uh, Bo- Bosley has this mic piece that's kind of act as like a molar which is very weird because if he has all of his teeth like that would be uncomfortable you know yeah and i and you know i would say um like so these i'm assuming that bosley gave them these things because it's like it's like a little machine that not practical but you, you put it in your on top of your molar and it's supposed to record stuff but I'm not like, and this is one of those scenes where I was like, what is Bosley worth seriously? Because he doesn't, he has no spy skills at all. Like what (laughs) what does he bring to the table except having a finger to answer the phone? Because he doesn't like the whole time. And I know you're about to get to it, but like the whole time, like he's super unprofessional for a spy. Like he's so 
you know ditzy about it all yeah like when he, he sees natalie he's like nervous <laughs> like oh i forgot you were supposed to be away you know what i mean like he's it's just like why is he here <laughs> yeah i don't know it's like compared to him and like bernie mag i i would feel like bernie mag was like uh not as nervous as yeah, i mean he was like and they sort of um bill him as being like new to it all so he's like impressed at the things that they can do and like the things that can be done but he's like he handles his business he's not weird about it and i know they were it was like a comic relief thing but it just felt like bosley the character was super underqualified to be there <laughs> yeah <laughs> and again like i don't know if bosley from the tv show acted like that probably not i don't think that charlie's angels was a comedy was it or maybe it was. Uh, I mean, it was more of like a drama. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, it, but it, I think like it would have been better if like he kind of knew how to do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he has a mic at the back of his molar, uh, which he has a difficult time trying to, because like what he does is that he thinks that he has to open his mouth to record what people are saying around him yeah. so he's just awkwardly like has his mouth open like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry i was googling it it is uh the original series was a considered an american crime drama so it was okay. not coming at all yeah yeah cool. <laughs> uh so once they spot corwin uh alex and dylan go like in different paths of um, the place while Bosley pretends to be a self-help guru and tries to talk to Corwin. When Bosley seems to get nervous, Alex tells him to relax and order him order a drink. And then when he asks like the nearby waitress a drink, the person turns around and it's Natalie. And then he's like really shocked to see that. He's like, oh, you're here. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, like, but like, did you miss the plan in the car? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, man? Maybe, maybe he just has like short-term memory loss. Maybe that's it. Like maybe. he, I don't know. What, yeah. regardless, he is he should not be um, a Bosley because he's just not qualified. <laughs> it's like, like I would get it if like there was like a Bosley that's about to retire that's teaching him how to do it. Then right. I would get it uh but yeah uh so while uh natalie gathers drinks uh she meets pete who is the bartender at the event and uh he becomes smitten by her smile pete and by luke wilson yes right yeah mm -hmm. okay uh so dylan and alex notice the bartender is looking at natalie uh so they tell natalie to go back and talk to him while bosley tries to get corwin to talk about Knox, uh but when natalie tries to talk to pete alex thinks that she she should just abandon ship because like she's also a little bit nervous uh yeah. talking to pete it's supposed to be more like you know like a i think you're cute i think i think uh we could be getting along and then like you know what i mean like it's supposed to be um sort of like in that cutesy flirty thing where no one knows what to say yeah you know? and dylan who's sort of like a bull in a china shop's like you need to run <laughs> so, 
you know what I mean? So, um, but it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't like, um, he wasn't interested. They're both just super nervous. Yeah. And, um, and then Dylan thinks that P that P is into Natalie. And then like Natalie's kind of like in like this middle where she, she, she's being told to go, but then is being told to stay. And then Alex orders her to flip her hair. And then Natalie didn't hear it at first. So then Alex was like, flip your goddamn hair. Yeah. And, and then it's funny because just so real quick before yeah. you go on, um, it in the sort of initial introductions of Lucy Liu's character, they have her flip her hair two separate times. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so again, that, that, slow motion. Slow motion hair flip. It's great. <laughs> but they make her do it multiple times. So that's they it's almost like they're making that her signature move. This is just do like a like an aggressive hair flip to be like, ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, once she once Natalie does that, and it, for her, it's also the same thing. It's like slow motion, like it's like she doesn't have that long of a hair, so it's like just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Pete then like it's like oh my god, like this is like so cool. So he takes a shot of sake before asking Natalie on a date. Yeah, and so meanwhile. Bosley and Corwin compete in a sumo wrestling game. So they're dressed up as like uh, sumo with like a bunch of padding. Yes. And this, the party is like, this is like Chinese themed. Maybe? I would say it's like Asian inspired because they have like sake. Yeah. They have like, it's a mixture. <laughs> it's yeah. Like- it's like, it's almost like you could tell it was written by a white guy because they just assumed that, okay, like Asian culture is like just all the same and not understand it's different in some parts. It was an Asian fusion inspired party. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm curious to how many times Lucy Liu, like I rolled the hell out of everybody. <laughs> like because there's so many scenes like this yeah but, yeah you're right so their dress is like and i remember back in the day when you go to like a carnival ride and you could put on the sumo um outfits have you ever done this no Where you put on outfit and you can sumo wrestle like your friend um, yeah so like basically they're in these like full sumo outfits and like you're fully clothed under it but like in in it you look like a naked man in a like a, a diaper and you and you can just like run and hit your friend like with your body and they have the carnival rides and so that's basically what they're doing yeah Yeah. and like there's like a crowd around them and then i uh when they kind of like run into each other uh bosley is knocked down uh causing his molar device to get damaged so he can't hear um the rest of the women uh as a result of it and as Alex tries to find Bosley, um, she finds the Thin Man. Uh, and then she's like, oh, Thin Man, 10 o'clock. And all three, three of them, Dylan, Alex, and Natalie, uh, kind of like try to follow him. But he notices them and runs away. And like for his thing is that he's like smoking and for him when he's revealed he's like turning slowly <laughs> and smoking a cigarette yeah. so 
that's like his like thing kind of like alex's hair flip thing <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> uh so then they walk up to him he notices them and kind of like runs away uh and then they follow him into the alley after they they do this like quick change scene like as they're running down the stairs they change clothes yeah. um and they get to an alley where they fight uh, him and the thin man manages to rip a clump of Dylan's hair before running away. And I would say too, like, just real quick, like I remember vividly, and this is the part I was really excited about was like that fight scene. It's, it's cause she just says like, it's, they fight, but like, it's a very long fight scene where the thin man is fighting all three of them at once. And so they do a lot of posing and posturing. There's a lot of probably wire work because of some oh, of the, yeah. the jumping. And the, I know there's a part where Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu are like, without, with ease, just like running up a gate. Yeah. <laughs> like squirrel. Like crawling. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there's that part where, um, where they do the sort of Charlie's Angels pose, but like, uh drew and lucy have their like legs up in the air you know yeah like kick flip thing and then there's a lot of like jumping and like kicking in the air across the the, uh room and then kicking him in the chest like so it's a lot of that yeah (laughs) which is what they become sort of known for and i feel like that's how they advertise the the movie a lot too is just with that scene oh yeah and um so yeah it's it's definitely one of the more epic fight scenes that they have in the in the movie yes and uh once like um the fight scene is over um the thin man goes down the alley and they follow him but end up at like kind of like a dead end with like four doors surrounding them so they open three of them and they're just like storage uh rooms for some odd reason (laughs) and then the fourth door it leads to this like empty room that's like filled like maybe ankle deep in like sewage water or some real like murky water with rats and everything and then they find eric knox tied up and just bound they're just sitting there no one protecting him or yeah (laughs) just just eric knots tied up to a chair in a room by himself and there are rats on his ankles (laughs) yeah uh so the next day uh they talked to eric about his software where it's obvious that dylan likes eric because dylan's asking eric a lot of questions and you know like it's yeah, it's pretty obvious. And he's playing like the super vulnerable type at that point. He's like the nerd, you know, who's innocent and everything. So she's really into him because he's just sort of, you know, and cute. And he comes off cute. He's supposed to be like a bit like adorable. Like all I care about is the tech and, you know, things like that. So they're yeah. they're playing it really hard that he's supposed to be like a victim. Yeah. And Vivian is also there and notes that the voice recognition system can ruin the world if given in the wrong hands. And Charlie is also there, but in a voice box, uh, notes that Corwin will be at the California Speedway, giving the women an opportunity to get more intel on him. And then it cuts to them at the Speedway, speedway where all three of them and Bosley are act 
acting as um what's it the pit crew yeah Yeah. pit crew for um this like random ass like race car yeah they don't Uh, explain anything about it (laughs) they're just around a race car that's just in the vicinity of corwin's race car (laughs) yeah so while that's happening they're they're kind of like pretending to be a pit crew uh, right in front of Corwin, who is like kind of boasting and making speeches uh, with his like shareholders, probably. Um, and then Corwin meets eyes with Natalie, uh, who then, you know, goes up and flirts with him. And while she's doing that, Alex and Dylan go to Corwin's car, where Dylan flirts with Corwin's driver, while Alex places a tracking device and camera on Corwin's briefcase. Yeah, and this is one of those like moments where they're trying to turn on their male uh, audience members in just the most <laughs> insane fashion. So like they're they've all got like cleavage out to the nines like they're you know in super tight like raceway outfits um for some reason that never i never understood um even now um drew barrymore is trying to turn on the the driver so she licks his steering wheel and i was like okay that's super unsanitary but whatever (laughs) but but he seems to be appropriately turned on enough to not pay attention to what lucy lou is doing in the trunk but uh it's it was it was weird that that was definitely not as that was a scene for the the male gaze <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. yeah it's like for the men for the lesbians uh bisexuals of <laughs> apologies lesbians i didn't mean to leave you out of that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's for you too <laughs> Uh, so after uh alex sets up the tracking device uh natalie spots the thin man as corwin's race car driver uh smelling dylan's hair lock (laughs) and he's just like doing it out in public like he's not even like hiding it he's just like he's like he's like standing in front of a car and he's got like a handful of red hair that he's just sniffing to death. Yeah. <laughs> and no one says anything. <laughs> and then he spots uh, Natalie and then he kind of just goes into the race car and then just drives away. So Natalie follows him in their race car that just so happens that they're okay to use, you know. Uh <laughs> and they first start off like on the speedway track but then uh the thin man like does like a u-turn and then goes out into the public roads and natalie follows um him and they get to like this bridge where the thin man is like on one end of the bridge and natalie's on the other end and then they just decide to play chicken and then they just run towards each other and also just so we're clear they're like in san francisco on a yeah. bridge and no other cars are on this bridge <laughs> no like it's just, just miraculously because yeah. those those cars aren't street legal they're race cars they're like yeah. the, i don't know formula one or i don't know but like they it was completely empty the whole bridge was completely empty <laughs> yeah so so they're playing chicken and it gets to a point where uh Nally waits until the last second to swerve out of the way 
And then the thin man's car just somehow catapults off of Natalie's uh, front end. Like he kind of hits her, but it's almost like that because she turned at the last minute. It's almost like that his car just went off of her tire and then just catapults and crashes into the river. And that's it. Right. And then it just cuts to the women meeting up with Eric and Vivian um, to shoot the mainframe of uh, Corwin's headquarters. And once they go over like, oh, what they need to do and how the way that the mainframe is secured is that it has two directors where one of them has like a that require fingerprint ID while the other one requires retinal ID and they had to do it at the same time and they go further into detail where um, no one can go in the mainframe and like put too much pressure on the floor or else like an alarm would go off and then they they're like oh yeah that's our plan we just gotta get uh, these fingerprints and uh, eye scan <laughs> to get into the mainframe. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. I think for twenty twenty, what are we in twenty twenty two? Like it's um a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. But it was probably considered like high tech and and high end back then. So like sure. <laughs> yeah, and again, this was like prior to like maybe a security increase after uh, two thousand one. So you right. know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so me, everything looked like cheesy and, and plasticky and and basic. But um, two thousand, they were probably state of the art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. They first find uh, the first director at this, I'm assuming, Arabic restaurant slash Bella dance area. So Alex and Natalie distract the director with a belly dance routine. Like they're standing on stage while he's sort of like drinking a beer and weirdly dancing uh, to their dance. I don't really understand why. Yeah. (laughs) He's really into it in a weird way. And then uh, Dylan, who may have used brown face because her skin was a little darker yeah, than she was usual. Brown face. Yeah, she was definitely in brown face. That was that's not a may have nothing. She was definitely in brown face. Yeah. <laughs> so she she like walks by, and then it's almost like once he takes a sip of his beer, she walks by and takes the beer without like any like acknowledgement to the guy she just takes it and it's just like oh look at me i'm just dancing as well and yeah and so she picks up just so we're clear they're just saying that men in general are clueless like you don't have to do much to distract them with your body and they will give you the secrets to anything (laughs) yeah i appreciate the sort of like play on how dumb dudes can get when when there's sex in front of them (laughs) so thank you uh yeah so so then once like um dylan gets like the fingerprints then uh they go to the second director's house uh and 
they kind of act as like these women this like song group um and they're kind of like german women in lederhals and bosley just playing the tuba <laughs> yeah they're like um i don't know what they're called they're like german like dancers in lederhosen and they just like i don't even know what it's called like they look like dutch children <laughs> yeah yeah like, and they just sort of like hop around and sing and obviously their outfits are tight because all their outfits are and yeah. and the, the director is just staring at them and i'm assuming he's with his like friend or roommates of this big house and he's like oh they got the wrong address and the director's like oh no no just don't say anything like i want to watch them right. and once they perform the routine bosley goes up to the guy <laughs> And then just aim his tuba at this guy's face. And just the tuba scans the director's eyes to create a pair of eye contacts. Right. And I don't know why they needed the whole dance routine for that. No. <laughs> he could have just shown up with his tuba and been like, hey, I'm at the wrong address. Can you help me find the right one? And just pointed the tuba in his face. Yeah. I don't get what the dance had anything to do with it. I was waiting to be like, did they get it already? Did they get it? And then Bosley shoved the, the, the horn in his face. It's like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, that's not suspicious whatsoever. No, no. Uh, so then uh, once they got the things that they need, they then traveled to uh, Red Star headquarters where Alex poses as uh, the efficiency expert. So Natalie and Dylan dress up as, I'm assuming, her henchmen. They're kind of just like guys that just follow Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. I really love, I really love um, this scene too, because like, um, of course they put Lucy Liu in some like dangerously tight leather um, and she's just like slamming her what is it, like dominatrix whip. Yeah, <laughs> it's, why it's like she a has stick. One, why she has one, I have no idea, but it keeps making this aggressive, like, whoosh, and every dude's just super turned on just from the whipping sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Very creative movie. Yeah. And then, like, she hits, like, at one point of her speech, she hits Dylan's thigh to where so she funny. immediately turns and says, ow. <laughs> it was funny. It was definitely very funny, for sure. And then also, too, we got the Melissa McCarthy. Yes, uh, Doris. Yeah, she killed yeah. it. The I, one, I yeah. The one Back when woman. you don't know uh, who she is yet, she hasn't blown up yet. Like, she's just that the one lady in the yeah in the, company. the sole woman in yeah. this all like boys like club basically yeah. uh so then once uh like she talks to the men and it's like oh like do you have any ideas of like how to improve this company or show me how to improve this company uh they kind of follow her around bringing her hair thing can anyone show me yes <laughs> and they lost their freaking crap about it yeah so then while she's distracting them 
Uh, Natalie and Dylan go to the mainframe entrance. And at first, Natalie's eyes contact uh, doesn't work. Uh, but then like she all she had to do was just move the contact around and then she gained access yeah. i mean i thought it was just like it wasn't off center because i know like folks who were um contacts like sometimes the contacts not like right over the cornea so yeah. I, that's where I, I thought was going on yeah <laughs> she was like it's not working <laughs> So, but still, like the fact that they got all that from the tuba scan is still pretty impressive for 2020 or what is it? 2000. Yeah, <laughs> so. 2000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then um, they gain access and Natalie enters the uh, mainframe while Dylan stays um, outside to kind of just like, you know, check to make sure no one's going to come in. Uh, Natalie uh, changes her attire to a full body uh, tight suit. Because uh, she's supposed to be undetectable. Yeah. Yeah. But even uh, though we see the camera footage and she's super detectable. Yeah, she camera. literally turns at the camera and then- <laughs> Oh, there's a woman in a white suit. <laughs> uh, so once she uh, gets in and then she does like all these backflips so that she doesn't uh, trigger the sensors uh, she lands on top of the machine, um, and then she asks the device to allow um, Eric Knox, uh, well, sorry, to allow the group to gain access to the mainframe. And once she does that, um, the women meet up with Vivian and Eric at like an outside, like uh, kind of like boutique picnic area. <laughs> and uh, to tell them the good news about like what you know what they got and uh when vivian asks where they can go to for the access natalie notes that they go to bosley's laptop but when vivian suggests that her and eric should be doing the analysis natalie notes uh that they need to figure out if red star stole eric's software and that it is unethical to give them full access to the system. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny because like all of a sudden now they're like HR and it's like, oh, well, actually that's like unethical. <laughs> yeah, but they're like, they don't want, want to hand over secrets. Like, I feel like that's what made them different in general. Cause like, cause for instance, right? Like Charlie's not government, right? They're employed by someone who's like a private, almost like private, what, security or something? Yeah. Investigation, whatever. So like, that's how you know that they're on the good side because they follow the rules of ethics. They're not just going to hand over something because someone hired them and told them to. So I guess that was sort of, for me, the one thing that made it clear that like they are good guys. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like they do a lot of weird stuff. But like, at least they're not going to just hand over secrets to any old person who hires them off the street. So I, oh, for yeah. Them, like, yeah, this is unethical. I was like, oh, okay, good for you guys. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because they keep cutting to Alex, who kind of feels like that she she feels like that there's something like up with Vivian. Um, but then when they speak uh, to each other and finish, uh, it's more about like Dylan on like if she likes Eric 
Um, yeah, and did you get that? Because like it, I didn't have subtitles on mine, so I well, had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> well, on IMDb, apparently, like they had uh, the um, like the lines. Let me see. Oh, got it. They like translate because like when I was watching it, I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Um, so it made me think that they were saying like we don't we don't trust these folks, but then they cut later to like Dylan staring at um, Eric. Yeah. Like, you know, with sex eyes. Yeah. So what was, what the translation was, was that Alex said, is there something going on between you and Knox to Dylan? And Dylan says, of course not. Natalie then uh, jumps in and says, it's just that relationship with customers are very bad ideas. And then Dylan says, I agree. And then it cuts to her kind of like smiling at Eric. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's weird because like it's, it doesn't make sense to the conversation they were having in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super weird. But okay, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. like, honestly, I felt like that it was like Alex being like, hey, like, should we trust these people? Um, and then Dylan was like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, we should definitely trust them. I thought it was that, but apparently it wasn't. <laughs> it was yeah. about a boy thing. Well, maybe they were, it was more of like a um, Alex feeling unsure about them. And so her being like, let's like, like, let's hope you didn't actually get in a relationship because I don't trust them. But she didn't say that. So it was sort of like reading between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so later that night, uh, Dylan hangs out with Eric at his mansion um, and then she spots a picture of two soldiers um, in Vietnam. And Eric notes that the man um, like that's being shown is his father. And the guy with his face covered up is the man who killed him. And it, it, it's really funny because it got like really serious really quick because she was like, oh, like, you know, who's this? And then he was like, oh, yeah, that's my father. And it was when he was in Vietnam. And then she was like, oh, cool, cool. That's really cool. <laughs> and then like he was like, yeah, and the guy next to him is the man that killed him. And then she's like, oh, <laughs> let's kill eric yeah <laughs> let's talk about the guy who murdered your dad when you're trying to get late <laughs> yeah <laughs> like her vagina just closed up <laughs> yep yep uh so then he explains um that the two were in um, army intelligence and that they were the best of friends until the man turned against eric's father they then uh, get to talking, which is kind of like they kind of get into like almost like they're about to kiss moments. Um, but then um, Dylan is like, oh, I need to I need to leave uh, right before Eric asks uh, for her to stay and like have like some chicken like shake and bake or scrabble yeah. and uh just so we're i just want to talk about this real quick because um he held up a shake and bake box which i probably haven't seen in 20 years and i was like oh my gosh because shake and bake was like a big thing back then to have this like it's basically like how you make um what is like battered chicken i guess yeah and like they had commercials and it was like a common phrase to have shake and bake so for him to just throw up a sh shake and bake box like you have to come from that 
generation, the millennial generation to be yeah. like, really appreciate him holding up that product because it's very classic to like 90s and early aughts. So I was very excited to see him hold up Shake and Bake. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. Also like Scrabble was like a big thing like in the 90s yeah. and early 2000s. So it's like two like stuff that aren't like known anymore. <laughs> sure, yeah. So like I mean this this uh, clearly we've said many times now that this movie is dated but um to have sort of like these classic, you know, 90s things <laughs> that they do it's just it's very funny. It's very yeah. funny. <laughs> so so she's she gets close to him and then she's like, "Oh, I just want to shake, aka I just want to have sex." And then it cuts to uh Nally going on a date with Pete um at a uh, recording of soul train uh and again soul train is also like a very like old like hasn't yeah, been known since the classic, 2000s like, it, i feel like it was like 70s 80s 90s yeah was, was like the most popular i guess and it's just like if you guys don't know what soul train is um oh goodness i feel old now um it was like a show where you just dance. Um, it's like a dance show, um, yeah. like a dance variety show. And like people would perform and they'd like, they'd invite guests on stage to like dance. And they had like the Soul Train line, which is, and everyone knows what Soul Train line is, but like, it's just when folks stand in a line and like you dance down the line and, and while folks sort of sh are on either side of you. Um, but it's pretty historically like a black thing. So for him to take uh for <laughs> luke wilson to take cameron diaz to uh soul trade <laughs> yeah that's a very well it's a bold date but it's also a very uh interesting date for them to decide to go on <laughs> yeah and i think they're like one of like maybe four white people in that <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but but the but it's also fun because like um because cameron diaz like is she gets to dance and and like we've seen her dance in like that earlier scene with she's in her like spider-man briefs yeah and she just she doesn't care who's around like she's gonna dance because she enjoys dancing and so that's always it was fun it made it made her character uh more likable to me that she's yeah. like i don't care who's around i just want to dance <laughs> you know? yeah so uh while that's happening vivian visits bosley at his place and then it cuts to Vivian trying to take advantage of Bosley. And then he states that they need to keep the relationship just business and nothing more. And she was like unsuccessfully trying to seduce him. Like she's trying to get him to like give her all the details of, yeah. of the mainframe. And Bosley's like, girl, I do not want to date you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh then it jumps back to uh natalie uh being asked by one of the bouncers if she wanted to dance on the stage and pete was like oh i can join but then he was like oh it's a ladies only uh stage and then she's like oh like well i don't really need to but then pete's like no no go go ahead this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity also, people don't go on soul train to watch some old white dude dance yeah exactly <laughs> i mean unless he's really good yeah <laughs> We're, that's not what we turned in uh so 
at first, the other dance look at Natalie like she's crazy because she is dancing to Baby Got Back. And then she's just like shaking her butt and then like, you know, having a great time. Um, but then once she started doing the robot, and she, then they started like to be like, oh, okay, like she knows how to dance. Yeah. And then she gets everybody else into it. But um, in the beginning, they're just like, who is this random white girl standing on the Soul Train stage? Yeah. Um, but she basically proves herself, which is funny. Yeah. And then as she's like doing the robot, they're like, go white girl, go white girl, go white girl. <laughs> like, she's got moves though. She's got moves. <laughs> and then uh, meanwhile, P is with the other bouncers. And then she's like, oh, he, oh, she's doing the robot. Oh, she's doing the running man. And that is like cool. <laughs> it's just <Wow>. so funny. <laughs> And then once she finished dancing, she's like, oh my God, I gotta go, I gotta go pee. So then she just runs away <laughs> to the bathroom. She's basically a child in a woman's body. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Jason, it, it appears that he's talking to Alex, but we can only see the woman's backside, like just her back. And they're sitting in like kind of like an outdoor restaurant like almost like an italian restaurant and he was like about to ask her to marry him before she gets shot in the back but then it turns out to be a scene for his film yeah and... but the girl looks just like like lucy Lou from behind she's skinny yeah. like long black hair so we think that he's proposing to alex yeah um, jason being matt, matt leblanc um uh, only for her to get shot in the back and and we still sort of think it might be alex <laughs> so. yeah but then like when they say cut he just drops her and then gets up <laughs> yeah and the actress who sits up is not uh lucy lou <laughs> no so uh, back at his trailer alex is finishing up a full course dinner while trying to figure out how to tell jason um that she is an agent um and then uh it cuts to corwin sitting in a sauna when the thin man walks up to him and when corwin asks who um the thin man is which again is kind of weird because uh he works with him no he said what are you doing here oh i thought he said who are you and he goes what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> uh but the thin man opens his cane revealing a sword and just slits uh corwin's throat off screen killing him yeah. um then unfortunate like he basically did nothing wrong and he just got murdered <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh so alex it cuts to alex uh who is ambushed with a slew of gunshots uh while natalie struggles with a hitman who tries to choke her with this like chain that he yeah. has uh so alex hides like she kind of like puts her like up on the ceiling of the trailer and it's just like holding on yeah which is like a classic like avoidance move but she's like bracing herself on either wall of uh her boyfriend's trailer while they shoot bullets through the trailer because she's in the ceiling they can't the bullets don't reach her and so she just has to sit there while like they basically destroy like they they turn they turn his trailer into like cottage 
Jeez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while she does that, Nally uh, puts the hitman in a chokehold with like her feet, like her foot. And then when Nally asks the hitman who sent him, uh, he responds, Vivian Wood. Um, and then she knocks him out when he calls her a bitch. <laughs> so it cuts to Bosley, who is trying to light up the fireplace for Vivian. But then when he does that, he burns his face. Uh, not like for like third degree burn, but just like kind of like, oh my God, it was like super hot. Like I need water type of thing. Is someone breaking into your apartment? <laughs> oh no. Uh, Mira is like, um, oh God, it. <laughs> putting nails. <laughs> so Vivian uh, drugs Bosley's drink with like some like Cetaphid or I don't know, something that people. Roofie. Yeah, Rufy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then it then cuts back to Alex who goes to her car where she spots Jason and then she reveals that she isn't a bikini waxer but has to go and we'll explain like later uh, then it cuts to Natalie going back to Pete and telling him that she also needs to go before giving him a big kiss and it's kind of funny because um when he gets the big kiss, he turns to the bouncers who are like, "Hey, <laughs> like they're just like happy that she, that he got to." Um, Correct. They, their so their hard exterior has been softened. And yeah, very happy that he got that kiss. <laughs> <laughs> See, they just need a white man like Luke Wilson to make them not be so hard. <laughs> They were giving him the serious cold shoulder like the whole time while um, Cameron Diaz is dancing like he's standing like his he's like his head comes up to their shoulders and he's like oh look at that oh yeah and they just don't give him anything he's just they're just stone serious um, the whole time so for them to sort of break once he got that kiss is sort of like a all right you're approved <laughs> type of moment. <laughs> So it's, it, it was kind of cute because he's super innocent. Like he's not a jerk. Like um, Pete no. is a really nice guy. He really likes uh, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, Natalie tries to contact Dylan about Wood being the main culprit. But then Dylan accidentally reveals that she is with Eric. And it then cuts to her uh, talking. And while she's talking... <laughs> uh she's kind of like on on the bed like just wrapped up and like the <laughs> the way that the sheet covers her it covers her entire body and she's just like wrapped it's like so perfectly she's like she's wrapped in his bed sheet like a toga yeah like it's a toga yeah. uh <laughs> This is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, so Dylan is like, okay, like, you know, um, just go um, meet me at the agency and then just hangs up. And then now is like, Dylan, Dylan, like, and then just drives off. Uh, so Dylan comes out of the bedroom and tries to inform Eric about, about Vivian, only to have Vivian right there in like this, a different outfit. And like with an updo. 
Right. I was like, uh, when I first saw her, um, I was like, is that the same woman or is this a new one? <laughs> yeah, because like she she has like kind of like a shaggy hair. Yeah. Like in the I feel like up until this point, she looked a little raggedy. And so yeah. I, I was confused. It was like she'll it, it was almost like when we find out that they're evil, she suddenly was dressed edgier. She was wearing leather like she knew how to use a comb. Like it was a whole thing. So for me um i was like wait is there another woman that's an accomplice here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it was it was weird for me <laughs> yeah and then while she um like holds up a gun to uh dylan and says that oh your your friends are dead the thin man kind of comes around the corner and is like smoking a cigarette while Eric Not at all dead. <laughs> yeah. While Eric dances to Marvin Gaye's gotta give it up. And then yep. uh, Eric uh, then mocks about how Dylan uh, didn't know how this was going to happen. When he tells her to like sit down and relax, Dylan asks where Bosley is, but Eric doesn't answer and then Dylan kind of uses a Scrabble box to, you know, spell out enemy right. uh, and kind of points to Vivian. Uh, and then he's like, yeah, I'm with her, basically. Yeah. I double-crossed you. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as Dylan pieces everything together, she finds out that Eric wants to kill charlie because he believes that he is a guy who killed his father and then you know he kind of goes more to detail that's like yeah like you know the kidnapping was a setup the red star was a setup like all that was a setup right. so uh dylan is shot by eric causing her to fall through the window and down the hill however it turns out that she avoided the bullet and just rolls down the hill, but she's I'm naked. Really naked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the bed she got caught on um, one of the shards of glass. And she, <laughs> she, she continues rolling down the hill no, until she fall from like an elevated mansion. Um, but then she rolls down uh, the, basically the Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills, whatever, completely naked. She doesn't break anything or cut anything. Yeah. Fully nude. <laughs> Just has like messy hair and like twigs like in yeah, between. And a couple of skirt patches on her face. But beyond yeah. that, she's fine. <laughs> and then uh, there's like this moment where uh, she lands like in the backyard of this house that has these two boys playing video games and then and they're while, arguing over what like they one of them is like i've totally seen a boob before and he's like you haven't seen a boob and then a, a naked woman like walks up to them and is like hey i need help <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it cuts to dylan meeting natalie and alex in front of the agency and while she informs them that Eric is the oh, main, you leave it out stuff. Oh, she, sorry. She shows up to the agency with them, and she's dressed like one of the little boys that was in the in the house. So yeah. basically, they gave her her. They gave her their clothes. Yeah, and then like she drives like this kind of like very small like bike 
like motorized bike. Yeah. So yeah, while she informs them that Eric is the main bad guy, the agency blows up in their face, and then they just land on one of like, (laughs) oh no, explosion! They all land perfectly on the same car, (laughs) not injured at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't get injured in this uh, in this movie. <laughs> no, especially if you're the main characters. <laughs> they've they've had at least one other bomb closely blow up near their faces. Fully okay. They've jumped out of planes. They've jumped out of what boats? They've jumped like they've been injured. She fell out of a building. Like one of both of them got shot up. Like it, it but no injuries. No injuries at all. <laughs> no, it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Uh, so uh, they then realized that Eric, that Vivian and Eric used them to gain access to Red Star satellite as a way to track down Charlie using Eric's voice recognition system. Uh, it then cuts to Bosley, who is carried into this dungeon room where he talks to a bird. And it's just like a montage of him talking to a bird and trying to make a rope to climb out of the place. And then, uh, that's all it is. Yeah. And while throwing a ball against uh, one of the walls, he accidentally hits his jaw, causing the molar device to activate. And he manages to reach the agency's voice box and explains his location. Uh, So while he talks uh, to the bird, that he has been talking to, Natalie figures out that the bird, you know, the birds breed and reveals that Bosley is in Carmel, which is like north of California. Sure. <laughs> it's like um on the I think on the way to San Francisco. Is that the the ice cream? That little like whale? No, no, that's Carvel. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Also, that's like from New Jersey or like the East know, Coast. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like you're from the East Coast. You should I don't know. know. From New Jersey. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but if you want to send me one of those cakes, feel free. <laughs> I mean, they did had one in Riverside, but then like no one went there because like no one knew what this place was, you know? So yeah, but it was like a famous, there's like a famous whale that they it's like a special it was yeah. it was really popular in like the 80s, right? And like people used to really like those cakes. Yeah, it's like an ice cream cake. Yeah. So if y'all want to send me one, feel free. <laughs> yeah. I uh, send it send it to Jeanette's house and I'll get it from there. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna share my address. Well, you want to share? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna share my address. Uh, oh no no well no but if you figure out her address please send her a cake oh no (laughs) nothing else (laughs) like (laughs) please please no bombs like i don't want stop saying bomb we've already got the government listening in (laughs) bomb 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 bomb. oh my gosh no see you can't say if you say it five times and they tap in for real like we've already said like (laughs) it's like Candyman. you can't say bomb that many times oh now i've said it too many times Oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, so 
she says that oh yeah he's in carmel and then dylan advises them to use chad as a source of transportation who is willing to take them to carmel without a question see and they so they need a boat and chad's mm -hmm. the only dude at this point who has a boat i don't know why they didn't use the speed boat that natalie was driving in the beginning <laughs> apparently that was a rental <laughs> yeah that was not available to them in this moment so they needed to use the chat <laughs> uh so the when like dill uh, sorry uh natalie and alex are like hey like we really need to get going can you like speed it up and chad is like no like the chad like it's like a very like the ship is a very tender boat yeah it's like I, a tugboat right so yeah very fast anyway yeah uh so then the women kind of like become impatient and then they just use scuba gear uh to arrive on the island and right before they go uh, like in the water uh chad asks um dylan if it's the chad and then she said no the chad was great before going underwater why i don't think they're talking about his penis because she didn't have time to have sex with him while her friends were standing on the boat maybe maybe they did like a quickie okay like maybe what <laughs> She's working. <laughs> she means that he meant the Chad, meaning the guy. Was he weird enough? Is that why they're leaving? No, it's because they have work to do. Chad did great. That's the whole point. <laughs> you don't know if he just like did a quick woo. Like a honestly, honestly, at this point, I'm just going to request a bunch of stuff from your audience. Audience members, please go watch Charlie's Angels and tell us what you think. And then write in the comments who you think is right is the chat a reference to his penis or is the chat a reference to chat <laughs> i need to know i need to know uh so once on the island the women split up with dylan going to eric's office where he is about to track charlie uh Though he is shocked to see Dylan alive, Vivian holds a gun behind Dylan's head, and sh her hair is back to the shaggy hair. Like so, yeah, I don't yeah. get that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she's in like a leather outfit, so it's like okay. So she kind of stepped back, but then didn't step back. Like I don't know. Uh, so they tie her up as Vivian spots Nally walking around the area, looking for Bosley. Yeah, so she finds Bosley at like the tower area uh, and tries to figure out how to get him out, but she receives a call from P on her Nokia phone. Uh, and then <laughs> no, man. does Nokia sponsor this podcast? No, I just think it's so funny that they were like, Nokia, look. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. They also make a reference to Coke several times. You didn't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, but Coke is Coke. Like <laughs> it's Nokia that's better. <laughs> Nokia sponsors Jaden Podcast. <laughs> uh so um she receives a call from Pete. Um and then she's like, Oh hey Pete, like and he's like, Yeah, like I just wanted to like call to like check in on you, but then as he is talking to her she gets she has like fight a couple of um eric's henchmen and 
And then he's like, oh, are you okay? It seems like you're kind of busy. And he's like, and she's like, no, I'm fine. And then just like beats people up. and <laughs> Which is always a good time. Yeah. It's always a good time. And then uh, once uh, she knocks down the group of men, Vivian is like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I guess I had to do it as a woman. You never send, she says something like, you never send a man to do a woman's job. Yeah. Which is like a sick burn and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then while that's happening, Alec, um, Alex goes to the tower to see if she can interfere with the tracking device, but uh, it encounters the thin man. And then they also do like a fighting scene uh, between each other. Uh, so Eric, uh, meanwhile, receives a call from Charlie uh, through Bosley's phone and as he answers the phone uh, it activates the satellite to find Charlie's location and Eric uh, passes time in order for the satellite to find Charlie's location and then once he finds his location he says gotcha before hanging up and uh, heading <laughs> And then heading to his helicopter. And then he tells his men to finish Dylan after he makes this whole speech. I was like, oh, it was nice knowing you. You know, I wish I could take you with me, but I can't type of thing. So Dylan is surrounded by a group of men. And she's like, okay, like she makes a speech. I was like, okay, I'm going to untie my hands. And you know, take all of you down, but because her uh, lighter could not work, she's like, okay, then fine. I will just fight and knock all of you with my hands tied. And then she, she does. Yeah. And then she just like, kind of like does like a little dance out of the room. She said she was going to like break everyone's face and then moonwalk out of the room but drew barrymore clearly didn't know how to moonwalk so she just does like a little dance to um what is it billy jean yeah Jackson. not it's just like the the uh the music not the lyric part right just yeah. like bump bump that yeah. one just like a it's almost like um like the kid in play just out of the room yeah uh, so while talking to Pete, uh, Natalie encounters Vivian and causes the two of them to fight. And after, uh, so basically, um, while uh, Natalie is talking to Pete, uh, Vivian throws this like medieval device, like this like medieval like axe. axe, yeah, towards her. It hits Bosley's door, um, and then. Natalie's like, oh, how dare you? And she <laughs> opens Bosley's door with the axe and then gives Bosley, like she just tosses it to him. He's like, oh, here you go. And then he's like, oh my God, it's heavy. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta deal with Vivian. So then they go outside and fight. But then Vivian uh, takes uh, Natalie's Nokia phone and then asks if this is Charlie <laughs> and then Pete is like no this is Pete and then she was disappointed so she threw the Nokia on the ground which is miraculously like disintegrates with one throw 
not at all a brick <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, so uh, Natalie's like, hey, like, you know, that was like a, I think it was like, oh, hey, like, I really like the guy. And then they continue fighting. Yeah. So then it cuts to Bosley and Dylan meeting up and he cuts Dylan's bonds. Yeah. And this is all like, I would say, because because um, Jeanette is going into a lot of detail about these, but this is basically like a fight scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's a fight scene, three different fight scenes, one with Natalie, one with Alex, and one with Dylan at the same time. Yeah. That are it's like a sequence of uh fighting going on at the same time. So while all this fighting is going on between Natalie and and, and um and Vivian, like uh Dylan just defeated her guys, she's running to go help. She's happens to see Bosley, but it's the quick cut. And then, you know, he, you know, helps her, cuts her rope because she's her hands are still tied. And then she runs out. So this is all just sort of like a huge elaborate fight sequence. Yeah. At this abandoned castle thingy that they're <laughs> Yeah. It's like weird. It's like, is it a dungeon? Is it a prison? Like right. what's happening? They never make particularly clear. No. Yeah. Uh so um so Dylan meets up with Alex and Allie, who at this moments uh both alex uh and the thin man are fighting right next to vivian and natalie and then dylan comes out of one of the doors and then she helps uh, alex and natalie tie up uh the thin man and vivian by using like this really long chain and then she kind of just like whips yeah. um like the two people together and so realistically, then chains are heavier than that. So to subdue two people, like throwing chains around isn't realistic, but it is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Drew Barrymore power. <laughs> uh, so while as that is happening, Eric just flies his helicopter and then just like looks at the three women before sending a rocket towards them. Uh, the three look at each other and then they just like jump and manage to escape another explosion with right. them just really close to explosion. Yeah, it, it's like, and I think Lucy Lou's still standing on the castle when it blows up. She she jumps right at the end. Um, so the, what is that? Like three for three, they survive explosions completely near their face. Yeah. Uh, and then and then meanwhile they're like wearing like skimpy like not so skimpy outfits but like natalie has like a mesh like back yeah i noticed that yeah yeah it's like a shirt. it was like the front is like regular blouse but the back is full sheer mesh yeah bare back yeah so and miraculously she doesn't get cut or anything yep. uh so once they uh, survive that explosion, Bosley comes in a broncho, uh, sorry, Bronco. Uh, and I then like he, better. Broncho. yeah, Broncho. He's a broncho. He shows up in a Broncho. So he, uh, he kind of like drives the Broncho uh, to follow the helicopter. Yeah. And then Alex like shoots an arrow with her bow and it hits like the helicopter straight on and they hold it, on it's no sorry go ahead yeah <laughs> it's more like a jeep <laughs> oh yeah 
it's like a it's like an off-road type yeah, of car basically yeah. uh so once like the arrow hits the um helicopter the women hold on to the rope and they are lifted off of the jeep suv off-road car and <laughs> they kind of climb upper body strength to like climb the wire yeah which is just i mean enjoyable but also <laughs> improbable <laughs> no uh so alex gains access to the rocket that um eric has left uh while dylan begins to fight with eric and try to distract him alex uh changes the rocket to instead of being like a location censored um like device it's more of like a heat censored device so it would just go to wherever has like the most heat like a heat sig heat signature yeah yeah uh so while that happens natalie dismantles the controls of the helicopter so it's still flying but he uh eric can't break or like move the helicopter in any way uh and jess um like while that is happening eric like um aims the rocket at uh charlie's house and <laughs> just like lets it shoot and alex like holds on to um the one of the legs of the helicopter and the rocket like heads towards charlie's house but then it detours and heads back to the helicopter um and while that's happening uh alex is like hey we gotta get going we gotta leave this helicopter and while that is happening natalie is trying to tell dylan that hey we need to go but dylan is trying to like you know beat eric up more more punches yeah before his like imminent death but like she's just like i gotta punch him a few more times <laughs> yeah i can't be his corpse it doesn't it's not the same <laughs> <laughs> uh so they managed to jump off of the helicopter right before um the rocket hits the helicopter and explodes the vehicle and <laughs> yeah. and yeah four four four. They managed to survive. Yep. They're, and they're within arm's length of an explosion, but they leave it completely unscathed. Yeah. And they wake up on the beach in front of Charlie's house and they're like, oh, like, cool. We get to meet Charlie himself. And they go inside. They see that um, there's like a cigar, cigar that is still like hot. It's still smoking. Um, so they feel like that he's there and then they hear uh, good morning angels or you know hello angels and they turn around to find it's the voice box so they're like oh <laughs> right they're disappointed because they really wanted to meet him yeah so he he stated that like oh yeah like sorry i had to leave like he couldn't stick around and then he states that this was a mission accomplished right before Dylan states that the client was blown away. <laughs> Pun <Right>. intended. <laughs> um, then it cuts to them uh, 
like on a different beach, kind of like a, like a resort in a way, like on vacation. And Charlie explains that Eric Knox is actually John McAdden and spend his entire life to bring Charlie down. And then he also states that Knox's father was a double agent who was killed by the other side, not him. And then states that, oh, like the agency will be re rebuilt and improved. Um, and like, I think like in a month or so, it was like some time. <laughs> it's like everything that was, that as you know, it will be fine by the time the sequel comes out. That's yep. basically what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when Dylan asks if uh, he's going to stop by and, and hang out with them, uh, a person walks by um, as Charlie is saying that he would love to, but has some precious treasures to watch over. And it, as he's saying that the camera is kind of following this guy who just passed the group um, and he kind of like slows down and turns um, at the group with like their backs towards him. And Dylan kind of feels like that Charlie is nearby. And then she turns just as Charlie turns away and keeps walking. And she spots him, but doesn't say anything to the other women. And then basically the group. Um, decides to have fun in the waves after they joke about Bosley having too many Buddha drinks. <laughs> right, because he's super drunk. Yeah, he's super drunk. And then yeah. he splashes like his drink all over them. And then they run to the ocean and then they're kind of like laughing and having fun while Charlie leaves. He kind of continues walking away. Right. And and that's that's the end of the film. It's unfortunate that he didn't tell them <laughs> yeah. who he was, but that whole ethical piece is why we don't have a problem with Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> like, great, yay. He's a secret billionaire, but whatever. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, what did you think about the film? Um, I, you mean overall or? or yeah, or, or like I if there's anything that you want to talk about. Um, I would say that um, despite the controversy, the many controversies that sort of surround this film, um, I think that for what it was in 2000, like it was a big step for like, in my opinion, for um, like movies that sort of showcased women in action sort of uh, depictions. Um, I'm really happy that Drew Barrymore, who I, I personally am a big fan of, like, um was involved early on because i feel like yeah obviously like um and it, this is something everyone says like got more guys watch movies more women watch tv so obviously to get like the viewers um to watch charlie's angels you had to have like sex sell which was a big thing back then for sex to sell but beyond that like they weren't these like sleazy women who were you know whoring it up or anything like that they were superheroes they were you know, saving the day. And um, back then, sometimes you had to save the day with like deep cleavage or something, you know, but for what it was like, it was really cool to sh to see like these strong women, you know, saving the world. Um, 
And so for me, I really liked the film. I thought it was a it was a big it was a big hit at the time, but for me it was it was a very enjoyable to like rewatch and sort of see how um how things uh have changed, but also that, you know, it was twenty years ago they were still making they were trying to do something to make movies like appeal to women in a way and and show women in a strong light. So for me, like love Charlie's Angels, love the movie, definitely want to go back and watch Full Throttle because I'm a big fan of that one too. Um, but no, I had a lot of fun with it. And and I love that they thought to make it a comedy because it was it's absolutely hilarious. If you haven't seen Charlie's Angels, I definitely recommend going and and just watching it and just getting a good laugh because it's really, really funny. Yeah, I really like it too. I feel like that I'm really glad that they changed it from being a action drama to an action comedy. Um because like you could tell like that yeah like it's a little cheesy that they're like having explosions like within feet from them but then they manage to survive it's kind of like going off of like that whole like can't be like okay like we're not going to take ourselves seriously but it's not like horribly like bad you know um I also really like the chemistry between Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. I think that they work really well with each other. And you could tell, like, yeah, like they are, you know, women who have worked with each other for years. So it goes along with why they, you know, are great friends and they're great, you know, co-workers yeah. um, with each other. Um, I also like like how um, they have like these like random characters that come in and out like the thin man and like pete <laughs> um yeah like there are some parts where it's like okay like that that's not acceptable or like it probably would have to be rewritten on some parts like the asian stereotype with the you know masseuse stereotypes with an stereotypes yeah um so yeah like but at the same time i agree that yes it was a different time and it was also like a time where like that was kind of like what we had to like what what was like there for us yeah that's the best you could get back then like when i think about the only other thing was like like strong women sort of fighting against the odds. I think of Charmed, which is like, you know what I mean? It's just like, they were half dressed, but they saved the world half dressed. And that's yeah. what we had back then. That's what that was considered, you know, like Buffy, I think about um, like you, those are those are the movies you got back then. If you wanted to see a strong woman fighting crime, that's what you got. And yeah. so what what it was, it was, it was a great movie. It was really fun. They weren't jerks. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah um did you want to talk about any like particular scenes or particular characters you wanted to go more into i mean no i think we covered it all i feel like um eric knots knox and uh vivian wood were like fine villains they didn't leave much for me to be like oh yeah i'll think about that in my sleep later like it's (laughs) they were just you know standard villains like i mostly just want to go watch full throttle right now (laughs) yeah i think that that could be like our next episode it's just like watching full throttle yeah 
And like, I would say too, like, um, I think watching it this time around and thinking about the controversy between Bill Murray and Lucy Liu, it felt a little weird because I kept thinking about him like as being the jerk on set. Um, so that was, I was hyper aware of that. So maybe I didn't like his performance as much because I was, I'm, I was in a biased situation, but even then, like he was, he did his job as being like comic while they sort of got to do action, which is usually, it's usually the sort of the other way around. They weren't damsels. He was the damsel. And so yeah. it was fun to sort of see, um, a man in, in a different position than what is normal, especially for that time. Oh yeah. 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 I really like, um, you know, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, like, kicking ass. And then, while well, also, like, just having fun and just, like, taking, like, their ability to just, like, have men fall, o- fall over them so then they could get, like, evidence or intel, which is, like, yeah, like, you know, it kind of, like, sucks, but it's, like, at the same time they need to get you know they need to solve crime right exactly okay so i think that is it for this episode uh you can follow us on instagram at j-a-n-d-m underscore podcasts uh if you like this episode please rate and review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you can yeah any last words Nzinga? Uh, yes, this episode was brought to you by Nokia, <laughs> but only the Nokia cell phones from circa 2000. So if it's, it's beyond that, it, it's not sponsored by those. Just circa 2000 Nokia cell phones. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah, thank you again for listening, and we hope you come back next week. Bye. Bye.